Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley. Of course it is. Who else would it be? Well, maybe Shane, Jules, I don't know. But hey, we're at the castle today, or the Regimental Museum. Um, I just got to let you know, um, uh, as we're setting up, there's a bit of a... You, you know how when you your phone would go off, you get a text and you, your TV would go, boop, 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 make a weird noise. It's kind of what I'm getting through the audio at the moment. So it may be a bit difficult um, to edit this back, but hopefully not. Um, so like, yeah, we are at the Regimental Museum today in the castle. I've been dying to sort of do interviews here for a while now. Um, and we're finally here. We're sat in, um, oh, first of all, I'll introduce you to my guest, uh, Lauren. Thank you very much for joining me. No problem. Um, I wrote to you and you're like, yeah, let, let's do this because we were just talking in the office about how the world's changing yeah. and, and how um, content can help places, your community and stuff. Um, and so is that is that why this has happened in such a quick speed? Do you know what I mean? Like with the biscuit coming here today, you think? Yeah, well, we've wanted to do something with you guys for ages. We've been following you on social media and we're always looking for ways to reach out in a more digital way. So this is great. And obviously the more people in the community we can engage with, the better. Oh, yeah, I've, we, I appreciate it. And, you know, the sentiment is is very important because I feel like society, society, that sounds, <laughs> makes me sound, yes, all of you folk in society, they, they, I feel like people are sort of welcoming content creation a, a bit more readily now. Yeah, for sure. That's, I think that's correct to say, isn't it? Because, you know, there's me, there's Brendan James, there's a few other podcasters out there going out there and showing people what their, uni- their, 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 their community is all about. Um which what room are we in by the way is uh, just to explain to our listeners we just did it on the vlog but that's different we're in the mayor's parlor at the moment so this is the room where the mayor will entertain their guests for afternoon tea tea parties if people are having awards they'll get um meetings i suppose conversations with the mayor in here and um i think it really dates back to when the castle was used as the um council borough council chambers so it's uh-huh. the link with the mayor comes from there i believe yeah uh, so i mean i, I want to wear as a mayor's award last year last year i want a mayor's award so <laughs> this is the room i probably would have come up to to collect that from uh, mayor phil Gillum. um so yeah sorry uh, mayor julian green uh, we're using your room today if you don't mind um, and the reason i wanted to come here today isn't necessarily to talk about history because of course the, the history is, is seeming through these walls you know um i did an audio tour the the so stories make sure you go to original shrewsbury website guys and look for so stories there they're on podbean um and i did a, an audio tour here with a historian architect uh, architect i always did that well it's not it's not an architect he's an archaeologist i get yeah. his words mixed up uh, he's an archaeologist um and he did the dig out on the lawn there um twice i believe mm. um anyway we did an audio tour with him and the the history it is fascinating and i don't want to go too much about that because guys if you want to learn about most of it you have to come and have a look right yeah, but i want to talk about this place how it runs and and how you know you guys deal with your day-to-day and what it's like do you want to explain sort of your entry and how you started working at the, the prison at the prison that's because <laughs> i'm going to the prison later oh my god my head's at my backside today uh the, the castle how did you start here yeah so i came in under the kickstart scheme in march i came in i'm officially a collections assistant but i deal with the digital engagement side of things so a large part of that was because of covid we were in lockdown so it was a way to get the collections and their stories online so people could feel that they were getting an experience without being able to come through the doors so that's mostly what i do and now that is partly engagement within the museum as well now that people are allowed in um so i run the social media i upload stuff to the website we've recently redeveloped the regimental histories on there um 
so that's my main role really the digital side of things and then just getting the collections out there so people can see that yeah we've got a museum full of objects but there's stories behind each of those and without the stories there's no museum how interesting fascinating in fact actually so originally you came for a, a smaller role and now you've picked up another role because you, you, you're talented with social media and, and spreading the word virtually. Yeah, so I think the, the main idea in my role initially was to um, get things online so people could see them. But within that, I've developed it so that there's regular features for people to engage nice. with. And it's just it's just a natural progression, really. It just spreads further and further afield until mm. redeveloping the whole website, really. Well, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, isn't it? Because this place is very photographic. Yeah. There's so much content you could make here. And, you know, I was talking talking to um, uh, in the office just, and we were talking about how, you know, people from outside of shoes, but even people inside of shoes may, may never been here, will come here and just take hundreds, if not thousands of photos, videos, yeah. you know, might make their own little vlogs to put on their own YouTube stuff, you know. So the fact that i mean that does it itself doesn't it yeah that ticks over nicely i guess but during lockdown you couldn't have done that so yeah Yeah. and it's about getting the the stories out that people wouldn't see necessarily just from seeing Ah, the objects on display so for example we've got a painting in the main hall that was done by a previous curator's brother who then went on to design the costumes for darth vader and um Someone else from Star Wars, I can't remember the name, but yeah, he was the costume designer for Star Wars and wow. we've got one of his paintings in the hall, but you wouldn't you wouldn't know that from the display. So those stories are stuff we just really want to get out there. That's an amazing story. In fact, uh, my very famous artist friend that I do a podcast with might be interested in seeing a picture of that. I'll we'll have to have a look at that yeah, later. He's, sure. in, he's in Florida though, so he can't come and pay tuition. But this is that's that, that, that actually brings up an important point, you know? Yeah. He's in Florida. He can't come and see that artwork. Um, and, and I know you kind of do want to encourage people to come into Shrewsbury and yeah. stuff, but, you know, we can't travel restrictions and stuff at the moment. So I think, you know, doing the virtual has always has a place. I mean, it's not quite the same. No. I mean, we've done interviews virtual. We've done, I like doing them like this because the chemistry that we have when we're doing this, whoever I'm speaking to, oozes through the, the, the audio, you know. Um, so the virtual side of things is very important. Um, how how's it been for as a journey for you? Have you? I bet you've learned loads, haven't you? Oh yeah, loads. Um, obviously, as a, a young person, I use social media, <laughs> but um, using it for a professional um, organization, I suppose you'd say, is completely different. So you just learn about the um, even just the time to put a post out to get the most engagement is something that took some time to to learn. And then it's just getting to grips with what people want to see and how it can be put out in the most engaging way, really. There's just so much to learn with it. And I'm still learning. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, it's just, there's just so many directions you can go with digital things. You sort of have to rein yourself in with some areas and then people want more and more Mm. on facebook for example less is more guys. yeah less exactly more. i mean like you know you can put a picture of them captions are like the hardest thing for me especially yeah. when it comes to i know writing a mini blurb about a podcast i hate that so much i hate it yeah. i really do because it's like you've got to explain what's on this episode in as little word as possible and not write an essay 
I mean, we, we've been asked to do um, uh, bios for all of us for that are taking part in Pod Aid, the uh, charity event we're doing in September. Rachel were like, oh, we could do some pictures and some bios about all the hosts. And I was like, okay, so I wrote two paragraphs because I'm used to this stuff. I asked Shane, <laughs> send a picture. Uh, Shane's my co-host. Um, uh, you know, I, I asked him, quick couple of paragraphs about yourself he sent like six paragraphs i was like oh my god it comes in chapters well this is it you're having to cut it down is a whole day in itself but then you've got the problem of you've got to be accurate too yeah right that's yeah. not easy no no especially i don't come from a military history background so getting stuff so it's concise and factual and engaging it's a whole a whole journey in itself to learn about but um yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a museum at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. Some like, well, the museum got the facts wrong. In yeah. fact, I remember we went around um, Cosford, um, <laughs> and there was uh, there was this uh, downstairs. There was this thing about South America, and they spelt Colombia wrong. My wife is from Colombia, by the way. Okay, and they spelt Colombia C C O L U M B like the American Colombia. Yeah. So we wrote to them, <laughs> wrote to Cosford and we were like, guys, you, you can't do that. Yeah. You know, you're a museum. And I, so I was one of those guys that complained. But my wife was like, why do people always spell my country wrong? You yeah, know? that's it. And yeah. they've, changed it, they've changed it since. Oh, so. that's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they know better for next time. How are you dealing with that, though? I mean, there's um, a high, expectation, high expectations of you, of you now to get, get it right. Yeah. Have you got it wrong? And have you dealt with it if you have? Um, yeah, I guess there are high expectations, but at the same time, people mostly know that behind the screen, it's an individual that's put that out there. So nice. human error. Mm. But um, there's been times when, for example, there was a Facebook post I did recently about something to do with the First World War uniforms that got issued and there was just a slight error in it and someone pointed it out, but then we just rectify it and thank them for helping us because mm. you know at the end of the day if they hadn't said it i wouldn't have seen it so nice it's, it's good for people to point it out but yeah yeah you need that you need that feedback sometimes if someone was like uh ow your uh, mics were too way too sensitive on the last episode and nobody told me i would have known well exactly that's you know? it isn't it yeah um and you know when it comes to these stories some of these are very hyper local right mm. i mean some of these things um, have you had people come here and be like that was my unit. Have you ever people like share stories that are, you know, sort of intimate to them with you? Oh, yeah. All the time we get people coming in whose dad, granddad, uncle were part of the King Shropshire Light Infantry and they want to see their medals. Or we get people coming in and tell us something we didn't know about, something that happened in the regiment. So it's people all the time. People uh, message us on Facebook to say their dad was in the Shropshire Yeomanry and they've got all this stuff that they don't know what to do with. Can we have it? And there's just loads of areas that we still don't know about that people keep pointing out to us. So it's just a growing thing, really. I remember uh, I grew up in Wrexham and I remember reading a story for <laughs> this guy had like uh, Lee Enfield rifles stacked on his wall from when he was like in the army. He yeah. just kept, he just somehow managed to keep his rifles. And, uh, and so the police had to turn up and t seize them. And then they ended up in like a museum like this. But, you know, people, yeah. that happens. That happens, you know, it's crazy. Well, we've got um, a rifle downstairs that was... Um, owned by a Victoria Cross winner that wasn't known about until he died. It was found underneath his bed with all this um, ammunition next to it. So, yeah, there's people that have stuff that no one knows about that just gets um, found one day. Amazing, amazing, amazing. What's this place like to work in then? Is it is it creepy? Is it is it nice? Is it feel? What's the feeling like here? 
Um, I'd say there's been no creepy goings on so is it, is far. There, is there any like sort of haunting? You know, I guess I know, the prison is known as one of the most haunted buildings in the yeah. UK. You know, people. I mean, you know, um, most haunted go there at least once a month. Mm. You know what I mean? So this place what's has that got a reputation for anything like that? We're not that as kind of show, by the way, guys. <laughs> really not. <laughs> yeah, ghost it, yeah. No, as far as I know, there's nothing reported in the castle. Apparently, I don't know how true it is, but within the grounds, there's a headless man, I think. <laughs> but again, I don't know how true that is. But in terms of the castle itself, no, it's quite a friendly vibe so far anyway. But I, I mean, I was talking to you as we were walking through the hall. Yeah. Um, that you know this, but I, I, you know, this is like the third time I've been here, and I always feel nice here. I feel mm. calm. I feel relaxed. I just love. I love the smell of the wood downstairs, yeah. and it's a weird thing to say, but like it's just got a nice aura about it, you know. Um, and you know, this is this is really nice. So, what is the kickstart? Um, what is kickstart? How did you get up on that? You know. Oh, so it's people aged sixteen to twenty-four mm-hmm. who aren't in employment and um, are on universal credit, so they can be recommended jobs put um a position out there and then you it's not advertised publicly so you have to be within those categories and it will be recommended to you okay and then you apply to it as you would a normal job then you get interviewed and then as once you've been recommended it it's the same process as it would be for any job it's um it's just you have to fit into those categories to get it but i came straight from doing my master's it ended during covid so then getting a job was was not easy so that's how i ended up here really that's um that's that's really nice it's the system getting things right isn't it yeah exactly you know and look where you are now you're doing this Mm. has this inspired you to to go on and do more things in this role or are you happy here for now I mean what's it what's the what's it's the... definitely opened my eyes to the digital side of things I found that I really do yeah. enjoy it because um I did my master's in heritage so museums and the heritage sector is what I've always wanted to go into but I never really considered the digital side mm. I just thought I want to be in amongst it if that makes yeah. sense but um yeah social media and the um even PR I've not done much PR at all really but the, that side of things is something that I'd never really considered. But there's just so many directions that you can mm. go in with it. It's it's really opened my eyes to it. It really is an important thing because when you think about, you know, people that are further away and stuff, you know, you are inspiring people, you know. There might be yeah. people that live in Australia that had a member of the family in a, in a unit that was that was Shropshire-based. And yeah. they may see something online that be like, oh, my God, that was my dad's unit, you know. Yeah. Things like that are very, very inspirational for people. And, and you know, I've seen we've seen this 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 movement of like uh virtual events during covid then the hybrid events when things sort of relax mm. and then the folk festival for, uh folk festival for example in Shrewsbury was um they they opened the doors fully this year but they kept the the live stream going as well yeah. which is like they they they'd kind of learned that why don't why don't we show people around the world what's going on here because it's free advertisement right yeah exactly well our talks program um we do a mostly monthly lecture series um and that was in person before covid but that went to on zoom during tell me about that so we have um someone is the what would you call them they lead the talk the spokesperson maybe okay okay they lead the lecture um each month and they have a certain topic that they're going to talk about so the one of the ones previously was about the queen's gallantry medal so it can be really really specific but you get people that are interested in that Mm. and wouldn't 
otherwise have anywhere to go to learn more about it so that's each month we do that and as I say was in the castle before Covid but that mm-hmm. went on to Zoom so the charge was dropped it was free but donations were encouraged but we were getting people as far away as Turkey joining onto the talks because Amazing. suddenly they didn't have to have a way to get into the castle they could watch it from anywhere um that is now back in the castle so we've got one next friday that's back how do people in get involved with that then is it very limited tickets can people get buy tickets online yeah so they can be booked via our website um i believe with covid at the moment the numbers will be slightly limited compared to usual with it being back in the castle but we're looking at ways to live stream it as well so that we can have the best of both worlds there you go there you go yeah yeah um and if it is in the castle, you get wine and nibbles. So there's that benefit to it. But um, yeah, it's just ways to sort of have people back enjoying being out in the world, but also online for those that can't really. Well, it adds context to what you're looking at, isn't it? You know, you could look yeah. at a medal and go, oh, it's a medal. But you've yeah. got a guy going, well, actually, you know, the colours on that river mean that they're in this part of the country and the, the three bars on it mean they've done three campaigns, yeah, blah, blah. You know, exactly. if someone can sit and explain that to someone um, and they, they learn, I mean, this is, keeps history alive, doesn't it? Exactly. I talk so much about how important heritage is and history and how, you know, it really is important to keep this going because mm. things get forgotten about. You know, and when you talk about um, stories um, about, you know, locals and how this place or objects in this place has yeah. affected people, you've got to keep those things going because, you know, eventually those stories will disappear. We had this yeah. um, idea for um, a thing. <laughs> Shane's idea rang me up at four o'clock in the morning going Al, Al, Al I've got this amazing idea memoirs of a Salopia let's speak to the silver generation and talk about where they went to work and where the pubs are drunk in and all this sort of stuff and I thought that's an amazing idea yeah. just still haven't done it <laughs> <laughs> one day <laughs> one day You'll when I get there. time when I get time I mean I'm just such, such a busy guy you yeah. know? Um, but now this place is, it is amazing yeah, it does have a great um, vibe, and I'm, I'm glad this the, the castle, the, the the museum, is moving into a more modern era yeah. with with uh, social media and, and the virtual aspect of things. Um, have you, is, uh, you know, the more you've done this, has it got easier, or you know, if you learn new skills that make things easier, you don't have to professionally cut corners. I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah, I suppose there's still areas that as a small not-for-profit organisation, we haven't got the funding that a national museum would, for example. So there's certain areas of digital media we can't even think about going down because you need... AR and stuff like that. Exactly, (laughs) yeah, yeah, exactly. The resources, we just haven't got them. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's ways that we can get digital promotion out there with cutting a few corners here and there without needing the funding will go down so for example we'll have other people promote us because we've promoted an event they've got for mm. example so it's like the up oil night thing that they had in the, the yeah, lawn. yeah exactly yeah but um yeah i mean there's a lot to learn still but there's skills about what people want and how you can sort of not trick them into engaging with it but you just appeal to that yeah that that thing they like and then suddenly you've got them really it does start to sort of when you're dealing with like social media content creation they sort of yeah. those sort of things it does feel like you try and trick people you, oh, you gotta you gotta sell it within the first 10 yeah. seconds otherwise they're gonna switch off you know you learn all these things and my vlogs are all very very much the same like we did the food festival and it literally was because like they had the dirty rocking scoundrels play <clears throat> and they played um 
the the driving festival that Beth did, um, and <laughs> it ended with the Dirty Rocking Scoundrels and me playing pictures over there, and then playing the food festival. Ended with the Dirty Rocking Scoundrels yeah. and me playing pictures. Over yeah, me. yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> whatever works for you. Whatever yeah. works for you. Um, so, what's next for the castle? Is there anything coming up that you're working on at the moment that you would like to tell tell the listeners about? Um, coming up, we've got. I suppose the next busy period for us will be October half term. We hope to get more Mm. of the families through again. We'll hopefully get some activities going on with that. Nothing set in stone so far, but... um, You should get some soldiers dressed up, walking around, you know, blessed tail style, you know? Yeah, well, that's it. We, um, before COVID, there would be people doing demonstrations and what have you in the grounds, but obviously that's been pushed back because Mm. of all the restrictions, but... um, We've not got any, we've got the talks programs that are still going ahead that can be found on the website. Um, they're, they're paid for, but if you're a friend of the museum, they're slightly cheaper. Um, and then we've got the half-term activities, which hopefully we'll organise soon. But yeah. apart from that, just plodding on, doing the best we can. Uh, if you're if you're from outside of Shrewsbury and you don't really come here that often, you, you listen to Shrewsbury Biscuit. Well, thank you, first of all. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, if you've never come, like during the summer, I know we're coming towards autumn now. Um, but the grounds here are very delightful. And in fact, like during the first sort of lockdown when things started opening up again, you had the the picnic thing where people yeah. could turn up for picnics, and there was the 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 uh, the, the, the music music and the 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 night stuff that you yeah. had here before. Um, it's a very pleasant place to come. And also, you know, um, I, I will revert back to what I was talking about with you guys in the office earlier. Yeah. It's David Waterhouse, who's, who came onto my show, um, it was the Darwin Festival two years ago. And he was like, oh, I'm not going to do an impression of him. David, I'm very sorry, but... <laughs> and he was like oh, when's the last time you went to a museum and I was kind of like about 18 months ago and he's like well you should bloody well go to a museum yeah. and he had a right go at me and it's true I mean these these things have significant relevance as to what, what you know goes on around you in your town especially uh, the Shrewsbury Museum and, and Art Gallery and this one here as well you know there are so many stories to be learned and the kids they need to see this stuff and, and there's a, a special artifact I want to show my American listeners which we will talk about in a sec which is uh, there's a flag from uh, the original White House that was yeah. burned down by the British right and the flag is here it's it here is. in the building right yeah it is we've got that and the colours of the American army from the same battle that were also brought back to us um the colours of the um, the American colours aren't that clear anymore because of the fire damage and the age. Yeah. But yeah, we've got them. They're on display. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, uh, Tom Bruno, uh, he's not going to listen to this. He doesn't listen to the you suck stuff we make. Never mind the biscuit stuff. But I mean, if you do listen to this, I mean, I'm just saying, just saying. It's just yeah. it's, it's here. Man. Um, well, thank you so much for chatting to me. I mean, I think I think it's fascinating learning about you. The quick start thing. Yeah. During learning the fact that you came here during covid mm. um that you had to learn how to do things virtually then hybrid style now you're trying to incorporate that into the, it is very fascinating because this is like um a very important time i feel for us as, yeah. as in society Definitely. <laughs> coming out of a pandemic um what's what are you what's the biggest challenges working here for you i suppose the biggest challenge would be that there's always something new to learn because, as I said, I'm not from military history background, mm. so there's there's always a lot to learn. I don't think I'll ever know en- everything. It's learning numbers and uh, of, of of regiments and the, the regiments themselves. You know, like yeah, that, that the dates, the involvements, the what different ranks are, what the 
different um, medals mean, what what rank you'd have to be to get a certain medal. There's just so much. Those are the things that people go to university for. Huh? Yeah, you want exactly. To learn it in six weeks, what you <laughs> Exactly. I'm always talking to the warders, and they're always teaching me something new because a lot of them are from um, military backgrounds. So they're happy to teach me, and I'm happy to listen because they know more than me. And what do you love the most about working here? What's, what 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 makes it easier for you to get up in the morning and come here? I think it's just being surrounded by the history of it because um, I did a history degree at uni so um, obviously history is (laughs) what I like but it's just the fact that there's so much around to engage with and there's also people that work here that are so happy to talk about it and they obviously enjoy what they do Mm. which you know it passes over doesn't it yeah absolutely I think that's a brilliant answer because you know uh, history is something that I mean, I was speaking to, we, did, we covered the Battle of Shrewsbury. Um, and, uh, you know, I was talking to a teacher. Um, I forgot his name. Is, is it Harry or James? Um, anyway, he was telling me about, that um, there were, in, in school, there were some kids that weren't, didn't quite understand what World War II was. And I was like, that's a lie. Really? That's not true. And he was like, no, that's absolutely true. Oh, my word. There are kids that struggle with that. So the fact that we've got a young person here yeah. that appreciates history means that we've there's faith we can do this we can carry on yeah <laughs> yeah um can you tell people how to virtually follow um the, the the museum here and how they can keep in touch with everything that's going on you know let's talk about people that can't get to the castle how can they get involved yeah so we have regular updates on our soldiers of shropshire museum facebook or instagram is at soldiers of shropshire museum um twitter i believe is still Shropshire Regimental Museum which was our old name nobody cares about Twitter that's why <laughs> exactly yeah it is the lesser the little yeah. one that's gets the you want to talk ignored. about politics or wine about yeah this, exactly yeah. <laughs> or we um we also have the Soldiers of Shropshire Museum website which has the links to the social medias on as well and the new regimental histories we've just put up there with the help of a research volunteer which was oh. a long process and I did get a little bit stressed with it but we got there in the end so yeah that's worth a look um projects that stress you out completely and you lose sleep about it. I don't know what that's like <laughs> no, tell me about it, tell no me about it please um we have this idea listeners by the way if you if you're listening to this write into me and let me know what you think about it right because I have this idea for um Matthew Howard, who did the Battle of Shrewsbury, if, if you're into your history and you know, um, you'll know Matthew. And we had this idea of doing a podcast for history, a history podcast, but I didn't want to, uh, like, history podcasts have done to death. They're done to death, absolutely, mm. but we want to do something for adults. Adults like me that are learning about history as we go along, right? So we wanted to do a sort of a mixture between horrible histories and drunk history, which uh, if you've watched TV, you'll know what that is. Um, so we wanted to do like a, a, I don't know, a history podcast where we can go places, not just in Shropshire, we can go anywhere, but we can throw in a few swears and talk a bit, a bit more about the gory side of things and, you know, make it more palatable for the average adult. And what are your thoughts about on this? Because, I mean... History, when it comes to history, there is a certain style usually of, of doing it. And I feel like if we can almost, I'm not going to say treat the listeners like children, but like offer it in, as something fun instead, yeah. maybe people might be interested. What do you think? Well, I think it's true because there is, with history, it's either presented as a children's topic or an academic topic where Brilliant, you've yeah. got to find the middle ground really. And I think, especially these days, that's the best way to go with it with podcasts and mm. really information that's just really easy to digest but keeps you wanting to learn more rather than just your basic 
World War Two ended in 1945. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's a really good idea. I'm reading letters from soldiers that you know you include the swears and the yeah. gore and stuff. You know, and I know a lot of history. If you've ever seen World War Two documentaries, you know a lot of that stuff's kept in anyway. But like as a podcast, someone where we can casually just sit and talk to curators of museums from up and down the country, and we can talk about these things in absolute just free, mm. uncensored kind of let's go with it. I think that's an amazing idea. Guys, let us know on Facebook if you really do uh, think that's a good idea, if you'd like to get involved with it. Obviously, you can't be part of the biscuit because the biscuit's family-friendly, but we might do something separate. Um, mm. So, yeah, so it's, it's an idea. It's an yeah, idea. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, thank you very much for chatting to me, yeah, Lauren. Thank, thank you for, for setting this up today. I know we're going to uh, do another interview, I think, at some point. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, so uh, thank you for setting me up in the mayor's room. Honestly, I'm so blown hey, away by welcome. this place. It's really good. Uh, thank you very much. No, thank you for coming in. Thank you. Hey guys, and we're still at the at the castle. Lauren's still here, but we were joined by Richard. What what's your role here, Richard, at the castle? Uh, I'm the director of the of the museum, um, Soldiers of Shropshire Museum. Yeah. Uh, when I started nearly three years ago, now it was still called the Shropshire Regimental Museum. Yeah. Uh, and one of the first things I did in September 2019 was oversee the change of name to Soldiers of Shropshire to become a, a more inclusive uh, and a bit more forward looking uh, museum. How come? How, how come the change of name? What, what? Um, I think I'm, the the name of a, a regimental museum or a, a county museum had kind of lost its meaning uh, amongst our visitors, our audience, and, and calling a museum Soldiers of Shropshire as opposed to a regimental museum had, had a bit more resonance with the actual soldiers, veterans, and families themselves. It's very, it's very good. It's very good. <laughs> we weren't the first to do it. There have been a couple of others that have, that have done it, but... Um, I think it, it was a point when a lot of military museums and regimental museums were looking at their purpose and their audience and, and working out how to become a little more relevant and how to how to sort of bridge the gap between the the sort of the aging population who had uh, a lot of um, uh, knowledge and contact with our with our army and the younger generations who increasingly have have less and less. So it was it was a way of doing that. Do you, do you feel like, uh, was there a bit of a uh, pullback from that? Was there a lot of, oh, can't, you can't change the name of the museum? Or what was that like? Um, we've we've had a few comments about it. One was that, that it, it, I had quite recently was from one of our long-standing supporters that said it sounds like you have a museum that has its own soldiers, as in the, you know, the, the Shropshire Museum. These are the soldiers of the Shropshire Museum, yeah. which was a bit odd. I'd never looked at it like that before. <laughs> um, which, yeah, that, that, that could be a thing. That could be a thing we do in the future. We'll raise our own army. <laughs> well, uh, I was saying this to Lauren. I said you should definitely have um, at Blist Hill have people dressed up. You should have people walking around with soldiers' uniforms and stuff. Yeah. Be, the kids would love I that. I haven't written it off just yet. In fact, we our learning... I'll do it. Our learning <laughs> there we go. Sorted. Right. Lauren, you, you don't fancy that? <laughs> Maybe, no. maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, our learning program that we uh, that stalled at the beginning of COVID uh, that has an element of that where a uh, a, a reenactor or an actor dresses in mm. First World War uniform and and talks to the uh, talks to the young people about his experiences in the trenches as to bring a uh, a book to life, a fiction book to life um, with them. So it's it can be really powerful in the right setting. I think it can really work. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't think I, I won't be putting on a trench coat just yet. <laughs> well, I mean, we were at the Battle of Shrewsbury uh, weekend, and Matthew Howarth was was heading that up, and I got a new man crush on Matthew Howarth. I think he's amazing. I think he's good at what he does, and it does because I'm not of a history background. I'm not an academic when it comes to history. I like. You know, when it comes to World War Two, I'm very obsessed. I will watch it again. And if I see one of a series of documentaries on World War Two, I'll have to watch the whole lot. You know, I love it. Um, but, you know, he seen people dressed up at the Battle of Shrewsbury with their armour mm. and things. It really brings it to life. And, you know, you're talking about bridging the gap between sort of the older generation and the new generation. There's, there's something there, isn't there? That, I mean, when you go to Bliss Hill, I also remember the first time I went to Bliss Hill, going to that bank, changing my money. I'm sorry to advertise another museum, uh, your museum, but, you know, it, it just adds something real special to it. So maybe, a, yeah, an idea for the future. So, um, <laughs> so how the challenges when you first started here? Um, what, what were they? What was it like? First coming through the doors here. This is what you, this is your job now. Um, I, I think I think the biggest challenge and the challenge that's really come to light over the last eighteen months is maintaining sort of forward motion. Yes. When everything else stops, how do you keep your presence and and how do you keep yourselves in in the public eye? How do you keep people interested in what you do? So keeping that forward motion takes the most enormous amount of energy. Mm. Uh, And most of our time is what do we do next? What do we do next? What do we do next? And there's always been a pressure in the whole across the whole of the heritage and museum sector, excuse me, to um, to do more and to do new and to do lots and to do it at huge pace. and throughout my career in the sector, everything has been relentless. And so you so want people I, to keep coming back? You don't want people to be like, oh, I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, the, the, I think we definitely need to upgrade our offer. It's quite a static museum as it is. I mean, it's got some real gems and our, our collections are the most rich and um, deep and broad collection. I mean, it's one of the most comprehensive regimental collections in the country. Um, Amazing, and so we use that as as something to draw from. There's always some other story to pull out of that, but it's it's been quite a static display for some time. I'd love to be able to very soon start redisplaying the collections in a way that has a bit more relevance, or that highlights different stories, or that makes it easier to find uh, the, the the plight and the lives of the soldiers, um, as opposed to just focusing on the history and museums traditionally i think people see museums it's this is just a a history lesson told in objects and dates and you need Mm. uh you need knowledge to go in but actually for me museums are about stories about people yes Um, and yes you do we do have the stuff to back some of it up and we do Mm. have the stuff to illustrate it but when people have access uh on their phones and tablets and and everything else they have access to uh the most incredible amount of information now and that's that's how they choose to find their historical facts we've got to go one better we've got to get them uh, emotionally uh, attracted and, and invested in our stories and i think we can do that very powerfully powerfully by displaying our collections in a more meaningful way and something that, that breaks down that that barrier between our, our society and our communities and our army I mean, it's a very important job i mean you know like you said we've got these 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 devices in our pockets and the most powerful thing you'll ever have i mean we've got to try and get kids learning about history and things rather than watching logan paul drive a jet ski in a in a pool in his garden do you know what i mean like there, there's there's so many things that you, you could do with this device in your pocket and learn about and 
um, you know, trying to trying to do that is is, is difficult. I mean, so I've got a six year old, and we were just talking about in the office that, you know, when I was a kid, I used to get up and watch cartoons, right? And he he sits there and he watches his tablet, you know, and, and YouTube and stuff. And um, he likes history though, so I'm, I'm kind of lucky. He's kind of really interested by it. But um, what tactics have you used to try and generate some interest when it comes to you, especially the locals? I mean, some, there's probably some stubborn locals here that have never even been here before. I think it's always the way. When I I lived in London many years ago and as I moved down I thought brilliant I'd be able to go to all the museums and all the galleries <laughs> and all the shows and theatres and everything there's just too much to all in one weekend <laughs> and after yeah exactly and then, and then after about three, four, five years I just admitted to myself that it probably wasn't going to happen it's one of those things that when things are close to you you always think oh I'll go and do that next do week, it next week yeah. it's always going to be there I think sadly unless people start visiting museums and, and heritage attractions more they're not always going to be here yeah um, yeah We've looked at uh, ways of engaging, like I mentioned earlier, our learning program. Mm -hmm. uh, we responded with our local museum development team to a survey that was carried out in schools in 2017 where they said, we're not going to museums anymore because they don't offer us anything extra um, than the, the sort of the basis that we can teach in the classroom. And so they sort of set up a scheme and did some thinking about much more active learning and participatory learning in museums. Um, and the, the scheme was called a call to adventure. So it very much plays on the idea that we can, as museums, if we just make a bit more effort, we can have extraordinary school visits and an extraordinary learning experience. Yes. So we put together an um, immersive narrative, it's called, and a, a, a cross-curricular learning programme. We got it in place. We did two trial runs with the local school, a school in Colham. Um, we went back oh, like in, in, the, in the first... Um, after the first trial, we went back after about five, six weeks. So it was quite a time. But the kids had recalled the most incredible detail from their visit. Facts, numbers, dates, names, wow. all sorts. And I think you know, that's testament to a, a much more active learning environment where the kids are on a bit more of a quest for the information and they have to work a little mm -hmm. harder yeah. to uncover what's in the collections. Um, and, and so you know, with those two trials under our belt, we've worked now with... Uh, the education team at the museums in, in, uh, in Shropshire Council and if it hadn't been for Covid I was hoping we would have had four or five school visits a week yeah. um, so we're just looking now at how we might present this in a different way there might be a digital element to this there might be a remote element to this uh, but we need to pump some more life into that mm. and I think you're absolutely right when school visits when they have a memorable, uh, extraordinary visit, that's something that then inspires them to drag their parents along at the weekend, or that at least it breaks down that barrier that a museum's not a scary place to visit, it's not full of stuff that you're not going to understand, it's actually got some really cool stuff in it. There's some really sexy elements to, to history, you know, when you speak about, talk about archaeology and, you know, museums like this, you know, it's all very visual, nice shiny swords in a cabinet, you know, there's something real... Uh, really attractive about that you know because I, I know it's very important it is very important to get your nose into a book and learn about these things right because that's where it's at but when you can see it and you, you, well, you can almost touch it <laughs> we definitely smell it because i was saying i was talking about i love the smell of the wood in that main hall it's just an amazing place to be um so you know there is something really uh good to be said i mean how are you keeping things fresh though for people i've been here before um changing exhibits so do you bring things in do you send things away i mean how does that work no in an ideal world we'd have an ex uh, an exhibition space that had maybe two-thirds of the stuff was there almost all the time mm -hmm. with the capacity to change out 
uh, some of the other displays on an annual basis so there's always something new we'd also have room for temporary exhibitions that we'd bring in for a few months at a time uh, but there's no elbow room at the moment there's not a, not a, not an inch of space that we haven't already used so yeah in an ideal world that's exactly what we do with locals will you please stop giving us stuff <laughs> yes yeah um actually we had a gent turn up this morning with some bits that i had to turn him away it's it, you know we're we're We'd never want to appear ungrateful, and especially when people say, "Well, if you don't take it, it's going in the nearest bin." It's um, it's very sad, but we the more we take, the more items that we take, with the more we have to care for. And if some of those items are in a in a poor state, the the the, the, the better items will suffer because we won't have time to keep keep an eye on those. Of course, so yeah. We do have quite strict collection policies, and there's not very much we'll take, but. Things like medals and pay books and photographs and letters, stuff that paints a picture about a human is the most valuable stuff that we can get. Mm. Um, and once we've worked out how best we can display this, um, that's something that, as a museum, I would be really privileged to to be able to share with, with our visitors. You know, they could come and find out the entire life story of of a human being, someone like us, who just happened to live... 80 years ago and uh, and and serve serve his majesty's army at the time so um we're very close to that and we've got the resources there like i said the, the the rich collections it's all there to be tapped it's just a case of how we how we display them in the future um we're very grateful rent-free tenants of shropshire council here in the castle um, we have a, we've had a lease for a number of years but that expires in 2027, which is not a long way away. Um, and if the council decided they wanted to do something else with the building, we'd have to find somewhere else to go. So it's it's impossible for us right now to get any funding, any capital input. Oh, this is this is uh, heartbreaking. <laughs> it's, it's, um, <laughs> wow. Well, we we keep our fingers crossed. We're very optimistic about our future, wherever that might be. But it does it does have an impact on how we plan financially. Um, we can't invest any of our um, in, uh, our savings or, or anybody else's money, for that matter, in costly redisplays here if we don't know it's going to be here in, in, in five and a half years' time. Um, and nobody else, no other um, fund-making, uh, grant-making organisations, lottery or otherwise, are going to fund... I mean, uh, it seems like the ideal lease. place for a military museum, though, isn't it? A castle. I'm really pleased to hear you say that, absolutely. <laughs> Where else would, would you expect to find soldiers? Um, you know, it's... Um, it seems perfect to, to us. I mean, but having said that, as a, a building of its age, I mean, we're sat in one of the original Robert Adam rooms at the moment, which is, is stunning in itself. But the rest of the age of the building um, and all of the, the, the limitations on what you can do with a listed building and, and how much you can drill into walls or re-carpet mm. floors or anything like that, it can be restrictive. Access isn't, isn't what we need it to be, really. Um, the toilets aren't, aren't particularly comfy. Um, but we work with what we've got and, and we're trying to do a lot more online. Um, Lauren has done an incredible job of bringing our collections to our public and making our uh, the timelines of all of our regiments uh, much more available to, uh, to our virtual visitors. Um, and we found that does drive visits. Our visitor numbers are about 85, 90% of what they were in 2019. And that, that's, that's a brilliant achievement. And I think that's testament to how we've adapted to firstly not having an audience for such a long time to suddenly having building and and maintaining a a virtual audience and then bringing people back in and that people are still interested and they're still invested and they are still 
thankfully putting money in the donations box so we know that people are having a great experience and i'm really pleased about that i mean you could so easily have ruined everyone's day out by putting too many covid safe measures in place but i really i think we got it just right and um i'd like to think that was purely judgment and experience but we were all blind going into this so i think a fair bit of luck has played its part in that too i think it's very exciting to talk about how you know technology can sort of help preserve history you know because you get the numbers in for the doors uh, it helps keep the place here that generates interest well uh, there's not going to be no reg- there's not going to be no reg- what, 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 where, where are we going to see the swords and stuff where are we going to see that we need to see this sort of thing mm. and it's because like Lauren Brent coming in and, and making everything virtual online and you know looking at these bright interesting new ideas I mean okay so for example at the food festival this is going to sound really great but it's, it's important at the food festival i was learning about how technology has been used with agriculture you know they've got these remote control cars that go up and down crops and they can scan the fields and let the farmers know if there's a problem they got they are sheep herding with drones and things you know so you're taking this age-old thing of farming but they use these super massive machinery i know but like farming with modern day technology now we're using a historical building museum with technology it's just a really Mm. interesting thing isn't it and another thing we did when i first came in is we needed to update the old website we call it the old website you won't find it now sadly it was um it was of its time let's put it that way so i asked um a locally recommended team to to consider doing a, a website for us and they they quite bluntly told me they're not going to build me a website they're going to build me a database that's accessible by website visitors but it will look a bit like a website so after reminding them how the whole uh, client thing works and how it's us that tells them what we want <laughs> it's gonna be eye-catching um, guys <laughs> but the, you know the basis of it is that the, the whole website is built on a platform that accesses directly into our collections database which uh, sorry to sound nerdy that's how we store every last bit of information about every single piece of our collection or every item that we have so to have a plug and play way of making that available to our our audience our virtual audience is is, is incredible um, of course, it's meant that we have to do an awful lot of work of getting images and auditing information and making sure everything's checked before we make it available. And we don't reveal every last detail of the objects, like how much we bought them for in 1987 or mm, who gave yeah. them to us. Sensitive stuff like that stays off. Um, but there's really good evidence that when people can access that level of information online, it, it doesn't detract or deter them from physically visiting. In fact, it does the opposite. It prompts a visit. They found out about this item. They now want to see it in the flesh. And that, to me, is incredibly heartening. So we've got this, this great website, which is a, a work in progress still. We're still adding bits to it and still linking from it to people and to objects and to records and to stories. Um, and I think that's definitely a, that's a really good way into what we're doing. But we're now looking at how we can preserve memories of our veterans digitally as well. And we're looking at getting some uh, veterans in very soon, actually, for a top secret upcoming project, unless you've talked about it. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's not top secret. It's just, we're, we're working on a project at the moment that's, that's got some really unexpected outcomes, very positive unexpected outcomes. And so we're looking at some really good uh futures here for um the museum serving as a bit of a hub for veterans to come and and talk and natter and share stories and to hopefully to reunite with people they served with um after the second world war um oh i'd love to be like help you with that if we can oh thank you yeah no that would be absolutely amazing i think um 
every new step we take from a digital perspective it, it, to begin with it sounds scary and when you've been doing it for six months you you, you know you become a bit of a an advocate and oh no we've been doing podcasts for weeks now <laughs> um, <laughs> we'd also i mean we'd looked at near field technologies so things like qr codes and everything else but being in a in a building with you know two meter thick sandstone walls plays havoc with wi-fi so we, there's a few bits of technology we'd need to add for that um and uh what's the nfts is nft nft the uh, the way you pay with your, your phone yes um the, uh, apparently i was speaking to andy McEwen. shout out to andy McEwen. what's up um <laughs> you're saying that we had this idea of of taking a story or a podcast or something and setting a trail through the town so you go and you touch your phone you get like two minutes of the story mm. it tells you where to go next do the same you end up going through town you could do something similar here the stickers literally stickers no wires no wi-fi nothing yeah. like that yeah I nfc think, nfc that's it i think um one of the big plans we have for a redisplay would be to display the medals on all on one wall three thousand six hundred medals nearly a thousand service personnel <laughs> and lots of them now are in drawers so you can find them if you know what you're looking for you can browse them but they don't have the impact they would all plastered all over a wall but alongside that we'd really like to be people to be able to take an image of the medal on their phone and it brings up um through ai it brings up a nice um image of the person their life story where they serve amazing idea so you know i i think at the moment um the, the technology is probably there it's how you access it how yeah. we access it yeah. and, and um yeah, I, I think I, I, you know, a lot of this for me is about revealing these stories in stuff we already have. Um, and of course, that's easy to say, but when you start putting it together from a, a workflow point of view, someone, a human, has got to sit down and, and unite that medal record with that human being, with their battalion, with their battalion history and everything else. And that, that has to be done physically. And that, for 3,600 medals, that's a task in itself. But with the other sort of 13,000 objects in the collection. <laughs> yeah. um, that's an immense task, absolutely immense. But um, we, like I said earlier, in terms of forward motion, the plan is there, the vision is there, the, the energy and the passion is there. Um, so, you know, we're raring to go with a lot of this. I found when it comes to Shrewsbury, here we go again, there's something in the water. I will say this. There's, also, there's something in the seven. There's got to be because collaboration is very important to Salopians, Shrewsbury, and Shropshire as well. I've seen it, you know, and I've seen you guys have been working with like um, Doan Oil and because you know, they had the oil, up oil night stuff and original Shrewsbury. You know, there's lots, lots of collaborative efforts going on there. How, do you work well with others? The, the museum in town, uh, the university maybe, you know, yeah. archives across the road? Very closely with all of them. The archives hold some of our um, collections. They hold all our audio um, and oral history records. Uh, we work very closely with the Town Museum and their team, um, and much more closely in the last year, which is really heartening, really positive. Uh, we started working with the Flax Mill Maltings. Um, yes. That was the infantry training centre in the latter part of the war as well. So they've, mm. they've got history up there, and we're just now working on a display that they can have when they open to the public next year. Um, that, that talks about the plight of the infantrymen who would have been stationed there. Um, and I think you know, we consider ourselves, we consider the histories here as the sort of the foundation of, of heritage and culture yes. uh, in the county and especially in the town. And so 
it's quite easy for partners i think to hang their current status and their current sort of cultural footprint on everything that we have here it's just a case of making those connections yeah um, we're very happy to, yeah very happy to work with other partners um, there must be of, of the of the big firms the big family firms in town there must be people in those firms that have huge deep and long-standing connections with our army here in Shropshire and, and it, to make those connections to make to bring them closer um, I think is another big target of ours I think it's something beautiful about, you know, you, you look at a cenotaph and you see all those names on a cenotaph somewhere or, you know, you, you hear on the news, they've sent in 10,000 units and it's the army or it's the navy or it's a, you, what, you, what you're doing is you're breaking it down to almost, you, you must try and break it down to an individual level. Like oh, one of those 10,000 soldiers has got a wife, has got a kids, he's got a house, he grew up in Shrewsbury, he drank in this pub and he went here and so, you know, these are individuals, you know, you talk about 3,600 medals they are Pete. They did some horrendous things for those medals. You know, I mean, there's a story behind those things. I think it's very beautiful to to want to display that in as much detail as you can, because yeah, you can look at those all those medals and go, oh, that's nice. But if you could zoom in on your phone and you can have like a holographic picture spinning around, you know, I'm thinking of like uh, I don't know the, the 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 Captain America Hall thing they have in the MCU, you know. But it's important. It really is important because these are people's stories. I really like that. I hope, it, you know, if there's anybody that's listening to this that's good with stuff like that, that can help you out, would you encourage them to get in touch? Absolutely. Any volunteers that um, that don't get put to sleep by endless data processing and linking records, <laughs> definitely that, yeah. We just, um, uh, it'd be nice to have a shout out to Georgia, who's one of our long-standing volunteers who's had her last day this week. She's off to uh, university um, oh. to do her master's and... Uh, we're all in denial that she's actually gone, but she has been really instrumental in getting our, our database up to up to speed, um, and didn't ever seem to shy away from um, from the drudgery of it because sometimes it can it can be a bit of a chore. But um, Georgia, thank you. <laughs> nice, nice. I lo- I love this place, and I, we will we'll help you as much as we can because I don't want this place to to go. Not that you know, I, th- I like the positive thinking, so we'll, we'll stick with that. But like, if there's ever anything that the biscuit can do to help you guys, whether it's a vlog, a special event, or like the, the, what you were talking about about you know uh, getting lots of military men around and talking about, I'd love to get some box pops of, of, of that. That'd be amazing. Um, so we, we, we'll we'll help you as much as we can. But if if someone's listening to this and, and you know. Uh, if you listen to the Shoes of Biscuit and you're local and you haven't come to this museum, uh, please come. Uh, but how would you try and persuade someone to, to come? How would you sell it to them? I think it's, it's very easy for someone that runs a museum to say there's something for everyone here. But I think everybody, every visitor will find something that they didn't expect to find. They'll find something that resonates with them. They'll find something that they think that's actually surprised me and I'll be thinking about that for the rest of the week um, and, and they're going to find something that they think you know what I don't like that or I, that made me feel a bit funny I, I think having a balance of those in a museum is absolutely critical and I guarantee everybody everybody that visits us will find those things here and I think that you know if, if people if people walk out of this place and back down through the grounds and out the gates thinking you know what that was brilliant then mm. my job's done you know I, I, that's that's all I need from it really like a ratio if out of 12 people we please three or four we've done our job yeah. <laughs> well, we'd like to get the 12 but yes, we'd like to get the 12 <laughs> um, yeah there, there is i think there's definitely something interesting that everyone can find here. amazing just, just give us you know we're, we're ever so grateful for our entire audience and all of our visitors but just just give us that opportunity give us that chance um and you know it, 
if you if you want to stop and chat or you want to ask questions our warders our team here are amazing fonts of all knowledge they they mm. they they walk around these collections day in day out and they've picked out their favorite pieces and every single one of them will guide you to their own favorite thing and it will be different every time mine's so. the flag from the what the white house <laughs> for, yep. for reasons tom bruno uh, <laughs> 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 that, but that is just so fascinating that's from a, a very important very very important moment in history mm. you know you've got the flag from the white house that got burned down that's good stuff good stuff um, is there is there something that's come through your doors uh, since you started here that w- when it came through angels rang oh the, the perfect thing that someone's baton. given to you to display the, the 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 baton is the bit that everyone talks about um i think the baton's a bit like marmite isn't it either yeah. you come away thinking that was amazing to see or that's i don't choice. know how i feel yeah. about that yeah. yeah quite that's yeah that's definitely one of What's those what's the baton those, so the baton is is a ceremonial baton that was presented by adolf hitler to his second in command uh, grand admiral um donitz who was uh, in charge of the submarine fleets so on hitler's death um admiral donitz became the sort of the next Führer, if you like although not in name he was the head of the nazi government the fledgling nazi government in flemsburg at the, at the end of the war and it was the King Shropshire Light Infantry and the, and the Herefords who they fought alongside who captured him and his staff and effectively ended the Nazi regime as part of that Jack Church who is one of the one of our number uh, took the baton as a way of sort of incapacitating his power um, and it's and it's ended up here and I know the Herefords would love to have it in their museum we've also had requests from the German Admiralty to have it back <laughs> among other collectors who had offered us seven figure sums for it over the years I'm sure I'm but sure. it is a very precious one of our most prized items um, it tells an incredible story of the closing stages um, of the Second World War and of the dissolution of the Nazi regime in Germany but there are other there are little things that um, that I've discovered since I've been here that I, I absolutely love. There's, along with some medals in a drawer downstairs, there's, a, there's an aluminium spoon with a big bullet dent in it. And you have to just wonder, it was, it was a soldier that landed on Normandy beaches on D-Day. And you have to wonder how much damage that would have done had it not dented the spoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so things like that are very powerful for a very ordinary object. Uh, but one of the things we discovered in our um, sort of in-tray, if you like, with collection items that are coming into the collection... Um, that are in my office were some photocopied letters um, from a guy called John Morrow to his brother Boris and Boris Morrow was a former curator of this museum and a former curator of military museums around the country Um, John Morrow was a King Shropshire Light Infantry soldier he did his national service in the Far East Um, but him and his brother Boris they they were fascinated by military uniforms the the technical and aesthetic elements of, of militaria um, and so John, as an avid um, artist, would also send back letters home describing his situation and illustrating them with nice little vignettes of life in the army over there. One really funny one that would look like it was him in an army cot, a bed, covered with a mosquito nest with uh, a net with all of these different bugs and creatures attacking him, all annotated with another squadron of mosquitoes head for Private Molo's um, sleeping uh, body and this and they were really they were just fun these letters and I I don't know what led me to it I just looked up on our database John Morrow and we have a, a watercolor by him in in a case of a soldier of the Shropshire regiments who guarded Napoleon in uh, on his um, when he was interred on Saint Helena um, and it was a really beautifully done watercolor really accurate and it was a really good uh, image of 
of its time. We did a bit of digging, and, and John Mollo had a life outside the army and actually won two Oscars for costume design. The first of those Oscars he won for designing almost all the costumes for Star Wars. Darth Vader, Stormtroopers. Have you already talked about this? Very briefly. Yeah, oh, very okay. briefly, yeah. yeah. but you're telling um, a much that, better that, story. That, <laughs> that, was definitely one of, that was definitely one of those wow. discoveries where you just think, so the guy that designed Darth Vader and all the Stormtroopers and everything else was a Shropshire soldier, was in the King Shropshire Light Infantry, designed stuff for our museum, knew of us, knew of this. Wrote a hell of a letter. Exactly, wrote a brilliant letter. It was a great little artist. Um, And to have that sort of connection means that you can look outside what we consider to be army stuff and and military collections to to the types of people that came through soldiering and through our army and and what they went on to achieve. His second Oscar was for Gandhi, uh, which I I struggled to think how much he was really pushing himself in terms of costume design for that. But he got got two Oscars. Wow. Um, Bedsheet. Exactly, another bedsheet. so yeah, that's, there's little bits like that you, you you come across, and you, whilst your heart doesn't exactly stop, you certainly think, "Wow, that's really juicy. That's really interesting. Mm. That's another part of it." Um, and let's face it; I mean, all, every single item we have here is important in one way or another, but not every single item is is that interesting or that relevant to absolutely everybody. There's bound to be one of our visitors that wants to come in and see a specific button from a specific year. That's the one thing they came to see most of our visitors will will lap it all up and, and take it all in more holistically so so having little items where you can you can draw people's attention to let me show you this watercolor let me tell you about this man mm. or let me tell you the story about how that baton came to be in our collection or let me show you this dented spoon being able to do that i mean we're, we're really proud to be able to do that and it's have you got tours that go on here people- we have informal tours i mean some of our some of our warders will, will grab you as you're walking up the front steps and say let me show you something special yeah and and i think that's great because visitors feel um really well treated and looked after and they think that 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 that, that's something that sticks in their memory and that's a really good starting point for the people who are are visiting us who are just maybe a bit curious about what we are and what we do um we do do after hours tours um director-led tours maybe lauren led tours soon as well maybe Um, and there might be highlights of what they are but it gives an overview of the incredible sacrifice that our soldiers and our army have made over the years and in effect what they've done is they've bought us our todays and i don't think people should ever forget that um and i think as well what you got to realize as well when you come to this museum as well you're getting a two for one really because you're seeing this amazing collection and you're also in in the fascinating castle where you can see the history i mean like um if you're wondering oh well maybe i can spend a whole day here yes you can because you can look at the museum and i recorded i produced um some audio that nigel baker did mm. here um it was a part of the so story so go to the original shrewsbury website and you'll be able to find them and he did a complete tour around here and he'll tell you about certain parts of the wall and you know all around the castle and there's like tunnels he'll show you where the tunnels go and so you know um so they're very interesting so spend the day here you know bring a picnic go around the 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 original regimental museum um you know spend half your day there have your food and then do the tour with nigel baker on your phone what a great day out it's perfect yeah it is the perfect day it really is um, well my battery is on one bar I'm very I'm, I'm sure it's going to embarrass me in a second but it's going out but like, we better um, sort of round this up but you know thank you so much for accommodating me today honestly it's been really nice to come here and speak to you guys and because I think what you're doing is very important history is 
it's, it's you've just got to keep banging that door it's it's so important to remember where you guys where you came from yeah isn't it you know absolutely well it's been a privilege having you here and uh I'll take yeah, you up on you. your offer of helping us yes any 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 help you need from us uh, we will absolutely be here for you because um, I'm, I'm very passionate about this so thank you very much thank you um, thank you oh you're welcome um got listeners before i go on tell you about our website um which is uh, the shoes with biscuit podcast.co.uk this episode will go out after pod aid so if you joined in joined in for pod aid if you donated if you you know enjoyed the content we made thank you very much for, for your support if you didn't we'll have words later um <laughs> but our website is made for us by our friends at web orchard so um you can catch all of our audio if you're not too keen on uh using uh, spotify or podbean or any other podcast apps uh, you can listen to our audio directly from our website it's fantastic um thank you very much for joining us guys and uh, we'll catch you next time